Hello, grand rising everybody. Natalie coming to love. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Mmm. Yum. Oh. Okay. So a little bit late on the spirit and coffee front. Um, sometimes we just need to sleep <laughs> or relax or be on a phone call for a little bit longer than than normal. And so then showing up here a little bit later. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. Um, we'll see who shows up typically on earlier. So good, some people um, showing up earlier. Hello, Sassy. So reading from the Emerald Tablet, Alchemy for Personal Transformation, really great book. Highly recommend that you buy it if you're interested in alchemy and the history of alchemy and what it means to dive into the transpersonal, uh, personal transformation of alchemy and what it means um we were talking about thoth being you know the person of wisdom um and knowledge that came and also they say the god of uh, what did they say the scripts what we write like how we write and um words and how we use that um so ancient wisdom thoth becomes known as the true author of the emerald tablet so Thoth is the archetypal Hermes, the Hermes above, and according to the tradition, the first three incarnations of Hermes through history. So Hermes, Trismegistus, three times great, was, you know, they, they talk about it, but he was the first, which is Thoth, coming into us with the sacred uh, scripts and ancient wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the world. So if the archetypal pattern of thought exists, let's say within you, which it does within everybody, that we would then start to, um, you know, question what is truth? What does it mean? And also start to do alchemy based on what we think are the truth is or the perception of the world itself. Now, here's the deal. People are trying to understand why we're living out the storyline we are or the perception or how we're seeing the world the way that we're seeing it. Well, we're seeing it because people understood these ancient texts, esoteric wisdom. Now, it's esoteric because it was hidden from the masses. And people who were, let's say, initiated into these specific houses or specific orders were initiated um, and given some sacred wisdom. And good morning, Kumar. And so they literally were saying, well, we're not going to give you this information unless you do these particular things in order to get this ancient wisdom. We are on the search. People are on the search for understanding what esoteric wisdom is. Why has it been hidden? Why hasn't it been, you know, publicized to the masses? How come people don't have access to it? Why are Masons and the Illuminati and um, all of these orders, right? There's these sacred orders, the Knights Templar, you know, it just goes back into history. Um, why were they hiding this information? Um, and why is not everybody able to tap into it? Here's the truth. Here's the reality you are. Everybody is. It lives within you. And what they do is they twist and turn the storyline so that people then get lost in the storyline and they don't know who they are in the storyline. Who are you in this particular story that we call, you know, I don't know, the United States or the government, or maybe you're under, you know, depending on where you are in the world, communism, all these different storylines that get played out. Why are there different structures? They're different uses of the same wisdom that was given. If you look at alchemy and the process of alchemy, um, especially through the tarot, you'll see that the Pope shows up. 
the Hierophant, um, which holds the law. Now, here's the deal. What law are they holding? See, the law, man-made law, is different in different locations, okay? When we look at the law of man, it gets distorted. When we look at God's law, it works in harmony with, okay? So Hermes, or the first Hermes Trismegistus, hi Nasser, is really what it's looking at is natural law and how we engage with that natural law. How do we um, live in harmony with God's law? And we have man who have totally um, distorted it and used it for sorcery, which we talked about earlier. So how do you become the magician in the storyline? How do you become the magician? Not a sorcerer, not for manipulation, but for your divine purpose and right. And so the sacred text of the Emerald Tablet talk about that. And Hermes being the first one to hold and to write that sacred script. Now we see scripts throughout the United States, throughout the world, um, in different cultures where they have these stones that have engraved, right? Um, hydroglyphics, we look at that and we say, well, what were they trying to do? Well, they were trying to scribe um, what the law was, or they were trying to scribe what, um, how to utilize specific um, magic, I would say, to to understand the world and who we are within this time and space and place. And so they, they put that. Now the Emerald Tablet says, reminds us that the greatest law we could ever follow is natural law. There is no law here in this time space above that. There is no law above that in this microcosm. In the microcosm, when we live in harmony with the things around us, um, we tend to have less suffering. Um, when we start to uh, say that we know the way and the truth, which we know our truth, but not the truth with the capital T, we start to see this distorted storyline play out, right? And we start to see fear show up in others. And it continues over and over and over and over again. Okay, so Jewish mystics identify thoughts as Seth, who was the second son of Adam. They credit Seth with writing the Emerald Tablet, which was taken abroad the Ark of Noah. Uh, another version says Noah found the tablet at the foot of Mount Ararat. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and Thoth mentions uh, several or seven universal laws given to Noah for the benefit of all mankind, not just the Jews. After the great flood, Noah supposedly hid the tablet in a cave near Hebron, um, where it was later discovered by Sarah, wife of Abraham. Okay. On the other hand, the Islamic tradition equates the antediluvian thought as um, Idris, um, the wise man mentioned in the Quran, whom God exalted to a lofty station and took bodily into heaven. So Idris lived sometime between the eras of Adam and Noah and wrote books that revealed the divine laws of men. But some evidence of um, Arabian indicates Idris was really Enoch of the Jews, Old Testament. According to the ancient um, Iberian book of Kitat, which I don't know what that is, Thoth is he whom the Hebrews called Enoch. Blessed be the soul um, and that 
that is Idris. So if we start looking at the further text and we start looking into um, the storylines, we see that this archetype or this energy gets played out in several different characters throughout different myth. Okay. Mythology is a really key point to us understanding who we are and how to connect into our divine birthright and our purpose. So that's deeper shadow work that we go into, but understanding these archetypes that continue to show up among all ancient um, traditions and storylines, we would see the thought character um, or archetype show up everywhere and within us even right? We within us have this particular energy within ourselves. So we have individuals who are what is truth. They're on their journey to trying to understand that. What is the sacred wisdom? What is this esoteric wisdom that people talk about? What are the sacred teachings and understandings? Um, and those sacred teachings and understandings help us to shape and mold our reality into divine purpose, into divine legacy. So, again, um, different places. So Enoch, whose name means the initiated, is um, portrayed in the Genesis as an angelic being who could travel all realms, just like the descriptions that have come down to us through Thoth or, Herm or, Thoth or Hermes. Uh, the seventh patriarch of creation and father Methuselah, um, Enoch never died, but was trans uh, translated into heaven. So the book of Enoch, right? So we have this book of Enoch and they talk about, you know, Enoch and everything like that. And in the, uh, the book of Enoch describes his travels to different worlds and conversations with heavenly beings, um, as well as prophecy about the end of the world in which mankind prays for uh, profaning the wisdom handed down from the heaven. Um, in the Hebrew mystical tradition, Enoch, little Yahweh, the angel closest to God himself and Jewish Kabbalist identified Enoch um, with Metatron, the ruler of metals and hermetic um, intermediary between heaven and earth who revealed the Holy Kabbalah. So again, we're looking at ancient text and how the, um, how uh, spiritual alchemy derived from this understanding of as above, so below. Um, Metatron being the metals. Now, there's a couple of things with metals. Um, you know, I myself uh, believe this is just a theory, obviously, I don't know. But like, for instance, iron in our blood um, really weighs us down. And I would like to believe that at one point gold was running through our veins. Not sure if it's even humanly possible to happen, um, but it's a theory that I have just because when I think about iron, iron is um, very heavy. And in fact, if you've ever had to take like iron pills, because I'm anemic, I my body doesn't like iron, <laughs> doesn't absorb it very well. And I get iron infusions, right? Because we need it for our blood. But Literally, when you take iron, notice the way you feel if you have, have ever had to take it. It hurts your stomach. I mean, it's very highly toxic. And in fact, what I found out about the blood is that hemoglobin is made through iron and hemoglobin in the tiniest dose would kill us. It's a highly toxic thing for our body, but our red blood cells utilize the hemoglobin to deliver oxygen to our body, which is pretty, pretty crazy. 
So our red blood cells are perfectly made to carry this um, hemoglobin and iron is necessary. That's why our blood turns red, right? Like rust. But I don't believe, I mean, I kind of believe that maybe in the past we were once um, had gold running through our veins. Um, and I don't know how that would work. I'd have to ask the scientists to see if that was, would even be possible. I know people take colloidal silver and it turns our body blue, um, but we do talk about blue gods. So maybe silver was running through some of the, the veins of these creatures or these other humanoid type beings because they were blue. And some people still have uh, are born in different parts of the world with spots of blue on them. So maybe there were silver running through their veins. Um, but what would you look like if you had gold running through your veins? I don't know. What would it turn your skin color? I don't know. Um, but that's kind of a theory, totally a theory. So who knows? I haven't done enough research to figure out if it's even possible. Um, but Metatron being the metals. So metals, um, we know, can sort of support us in creating certain things. And when we talk about metals and perhaps sacred geometry, and we talk about the pyramids, they believe that they used um, these tools and they, they use these metals, uh, you know, like magnetism to levitate stuff. So there is this sacred wisdom within understanding how to utilize what is around us, the natural phenomena, which we've lost. We've lost touch with it. Now we're re understanding it and very few people get access to this and then when people really start to understand it um, and utilize it they either get killed or of course they take away their papers and the government seizes all their stuff and then the person ceases to exist and we've seen it with tesla and, and many other people those individuals literally understood this work okay all of them were alchemists all of them were spiritual alchemists they all talk about alchemy. Now, they don't outright say alchemy. You'll find it hidden in some of their works, the word alchemy, but it is alchemy and it's spiritual alchemy. Okay. And it's you, we can utilize it for the betterment of humanity when we work in harmony. So, what we have right now is we're working in disharmony with the earth, right? We're not working in harmony. We're not utilizing the full potential of the planet at this point. What we're doing is we're, um, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're drilling into the earth and we're, we're excavating all natural resources when we can utilize the force field or the energy potentials of the earth without having to dig and, and take out. And that's what they did in the past. I mean, if you look at the way that the world is structured and, and all of these great um, pyramids and stuff, they were on ley lines. They were utilizing and harnessing the energy of the earth. It's just like ourselves. We are literally have so much energy potential within us and we don't even know how to utilize our energy potential because they don't teach us that, right? They're not teaching us how to um, make our bodies the most energy efficient that it could possibly be. Rather, they say, well, you know, they don't talk about nutrition and diet. They don't talk about what our body's capable of doing. Our bodies are capable of doing some pretty amazing things, but they've weighed us down um, with, of course, um, using what I would say Metatron in a way of sorcery. Okay. Not right, wrong, good or bad, not to scare, but people do crazy shit, <laughs> right? Humans are doing weird shit to 
keep control for whatever their agenda is, which it's like, okay, whatever, do that. I know who I am. I know um, <laughs> what I believe and who I am. So they can do nonsense with it if they want, but it's always going to go back to source and to God. So no need to be afraid of the sorcerers. We just need to know who is and understand how to work with. And, and once we know someone's a sorcerer working in sorcery, then we can just choose how we want to engage with them or not. It's that easy. Okay. Um, so initiated. The seven patriarchy of creation. We talked about that um, conversation with heavenly beings, little Yahweh, Metatron, the ruler of metals, hermetic intermediary between heaven and earth who revealed the Holy Kabbalah. That mystical system presents a religious philosophy of divine evocation based on the occult meaning of the words and the scriptures. One of the most famous books of the Kabbalah, the Sefer Yezra, I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong, described a cosmology identical to that of the Emerald Tablet in which all of creation emanates from the thoughts of the one mind. Okay, so here's where we get into the one mind and the one thing. The tablets of Enoch containing magical symbols are part of the initiatory scheme of the Order of the Golden Dawn. And yet another popular occult system known as the Ignatian Magic uses the language of Ignatian angels that was dictated to mathematician John Lee through the medium of practicing alchemist Edward Kelly. Supposedly, D used information to control the Tertulli spirits of various nations according to the wishes of Queen Elizabeth in kind of a 16th century psychic warfare project. We see that this stuff happens everywhere, right? They talk about like using psychics, using all this stuff, using this energy, understanding what it is. And they use it for manipulation and to persuade and to, you know, the sacred teachings have been held in the hands of those who are using it for their own power. Um, not necessarily to support the world into higher levels of consciousness or understanding. So we see that happening all the time. So the sacred teachings, right? Um, they, they, the initiatory um, and the magic, the language used, we talk about the language. Well, what is the language? How do we know what language it is? Um, there are specific fire letters that are connected to it. Those fire letters um, hold some vibrational frequency and patterning in them. Okay, we have Germantria. We have all these different ways of decoding and that vibrational tonality. We are just merely speaking symbols through vibrational tones in our voice. That's really what it is. If we looked at letters and words, they are just symbols and we put a vibration behind the symbol. So if we were speaking into true magic, into true um, connection to the divine, we may sound a little bit different in the way that we uh, communicate, the way the words that we use. We may just be chanting, right? Um, rather than, you know, speaking meaningless words. Our words create and shape. Now, Think about how many meaningless words we use in a day. Where are they where are they directed? What are they creating? What are we doing with the words? What is it that we're um, trying to create? So looking at that. 
um, and and continuing on there. So the next place we're going to go, and since I started late, I'm going to end early. Um, good morning, Spirit and Water. Um, the Akhenaten and the second Hermes, right? And the second Hermes arrives on the scene sometime after the Great Flood. Um, following the strict genealogy of Egyptologists, um, identify the second Hermes as the son Thoth and the father Tet, Tut. At uh, least one legend, however, describes the second Hermes as an ancient philosopher who discovered the Emerald Tablet in a cave while traveling to Ceylon. Um, after studying the tablet, he learned how to travel both in heaven and earth and harness the forces of above and below. He traveled throughout Asia, Middle East, teachings and healings like Balinus did centuries later. According to Eber's papyrus, such a person actually lived around 1515 BCE. Okay, so more esoteric authors associated with the second Hermes with an Egyptian pharaoh by the name of Akhenaten. And if you don't know about Akhenaten, I'd say go read up. He ruled around 1364 to 1347 BCE. And some dubbed Akhenaten as the ex extraterrestrial king when they looked at it it's kind of funny i love ancient aliens and i don't know about you guys but i love watching ancient aliens they talk about akhenaten they talk about how he looked like an alien being um they look at his skull they look at his face and the way his body is shaped and it's not a typical humanoid body not a typical humanoid head um and so um, and he's depicted as looking sort of alien like he's the one who talked about the one god he started that whole transition from many gods to one. Um, and so um, Akhenaten, um, you know, talked about the sun being the one god. So he was, uh, he had a thin face, elongated head, a spiny neck and drooping shoulders. Um, his torso lacked uh, muscularity and uh, scrawny legs made him look weak and out of place in this world. Um, he was androgynous in appearance and respected scholars have accused him of being homosexual or a woman masquerading as a man. So Akhenaten survived that uh, show, show him naked with no male genitalia and uh, with the breast of a woman. So they don't know. Um, his freakish pharaoh climbed one of the most beautiful women of the world as his bride, so uh, it was Queen Nefertiti, um, whose family's origins were still unknown to Egyptologists. Okay, um, but they also shared the throne with a young, handsome man by the name of Semekari. I can't say that. Both of Akhenaten's curators and shared the beauty of all beauties. Okay, so they shared. Um, so he who serves the Aten. Um, meaning amen. Okay, so we get the word amen, which people don't know, right? Because people um, typically, you know, it's hard for some people who were raised in these spiritual religious places to um, sort of look outside their religious practice because I don't know, maybe it's fear. I don't know what it is. And that's fine. But I am one who looks at everything. And find my deeper, so I can find my deeper truth, right? What is my truth and my connection to God? So Akhenaten was born in Amen Hotap 4, meaning Amen is satisfied, but changed his name to Akhenaten, he who serves the Aten. When he broke with the priest of Amen, 
and set up a new monotheistic religion recognized the visible sun as the one thing, the source of all creative energy. The new Egyptian god called Anaten, or simply the disc, was never personified like a previous gods, but was thought of as an abstract force. Picture of the Aten show the solar disc with rays coming down from the heaven. Okay, so we're looking at how we came to the one god and terminating on earth in um, dozens of tiny hands. Okay, so what it was was a disc with many hands coming off of it. Um a marvelous symbol of the one thing, okay? Here we get the one thing and the one mind, and that's the biggest thing of spiritual alchemy, is understanding that. Everything leads to one thought, right? And some people will call it the, um, you know, the, the, the Big Bang, where it's just like one thought exploded into several thoughts, okay? And then, but it came from the one thing, so it, there's not a bunch of things. It's there's one thing and it emanates in different, different things. The Ana is radiated energy personified, okay? Wrote by the 20th century Egyptologist. That is to say an all-pervading reality of the imminent character. So we are extensions of God, basically, is what it says. Okay, so we will continue on because uh, I'm going to stop there. Um, but we will continue on um, tomorrow um, going over the rest of the book and understanding spiritual alchemy. Uh, I do apologize that I was on a little later and I will be on uh, awfully earlier tomorrow. Um, so there you have it. I love you guys so much. Have a fantastical day and I will be seeing you all tomorrow. Bye.